your Bible, if you would, please. Let's get to it. we got work to do here. We're starting this new series. We're in a new series, and I am determined to get you through it today. Don't take long, about 25 minutes or so in our sermon today. We'll see how we do. Repeat the topic with me, please. Say collision, collision. Thinking. thinking. If you want to protect your future, get this right, preacher man. If you want to protect your future, which is what we're talking about this year. Every year I answer one question. And this year's question is, how do you protect your future? Your future, not mine. We're not talking about me, we're talking about you. How do you protect your future? Here's how you do it. Improve your thinking. And last week I talked about thinking about thinking. How you think and how you process. All this is online, you can go get it for free, download it, watch it, link it, send it to a friend. Please do, it'd be real cool. Um, there's something about Everybody having an issue. Everybody has an issue. Somebody just mentioned online, they said, they're thinking about the border right now. Good question. A lot of people have a lot of issues. I think all of it's important. Securing the border, loving everybody, helping everybody, finding a way to help people who are in trouble, bringing them over here, all that's important. All of us have a lot to think about in this culture. The wars around the world. I, I met with a group of young people uh, Thursday night, and they were all, I guess, young adults, and it was all online, and they were all over the country, and, and they just asked me question after question for about an hour and a half. And they're all thinking. And the challenge is learning how to think right. What do you, what do, you do with your thoughts about religious people or about it, whatever? Where can I put that? That's important. But here's the challenge. When you start thinking, there's collisions. There are times when you're trying to think right, you're trying to go in the right direction, but you run into yourself. That's what hurts marriages. Collision thinking. You think one way, I think another way. And let me tell you, the way you think is so real. One of our, one of our, one of our we had a, uh, in our books, a book review yesterday, um, says Taylor, she says something so powerful. She says, I'm a drug, I, I, I counsel people that are uh, drug addicted. And she said, what tends to happen with them is a situation will occur. And then they'll develop a thought. And that thought develops a feeling. And based on that feeling, they act. The situation brings about a what? Thought. Thought brings about a what? You feel some kind of way about what was said to you, and then you act on it. Learning how to interrupt that process is really important. And you have to acknowledge, right now, I'm on a collision course in my thinking. You can wreck your whole life because of the way you feel. You can wreck your career. I've seen people lose millions of dollars because of the way they felt in a moment. And they collided with reality. You can't say that here. People have lost careers with one line, one comment, years of building a career, and you just had to use a certain word in a certain context, wrecked everything. It's very easy to do. In our story today, I want to take you down a road with two people, Joseph and a man named um, <laughs> Peter. Both are going to illustrate for us how thinking affects you. And I want you to look at these two stories in Genesis 39, 
first where we'll start. And I want you to just notice a couple of things about an encounter. There's going to be a guy named Joseph, and there's going to be a woman who we call Potiphar's wife. These two both think differently. I want to take a slow walk through this story and show you the thinking of Joseph compared to the thinking of Potiphar's wife. Then I'm going to take you on a journey, and I'm going to take you on a journey through the thinking of Peter and the thinking of Jesus. And the goal is to show you good thinking, bad thinking. Say that with me, please. Come on. Good thinking and bad thinking. If you change the way you think, you'll change the way you feel. If you improve your thinking, you'll change how you feel. When situations happen, you'll get a thought. But because you think properly and you've learned, you won't let the bad thought win. You'll let the good thought win. That will change how you feel. Make sense? Say amen if you hear me. Here we go. Genesis, I'm sorry, Mark. Did I say Mark? That's wrong. Ha, Genesis. I get it right. Genesis chapter 39, verse 6. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. And Joseph was well built and handsome. If the Bible say you're handsome, guess what? You're handsome. <laughs> and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph. Who is that? Mm-mm-mm. Is that the new guy in charge? You kidding. What's his name? What's his name? His name Joseph. I like the way he built. Mm-mm-mm. You know, when ladies lust, they're, they're really good at it. You can't tell they're lusting. They just they hide, they hide it well. Among themselves, they let it out. Child, did you say him? Did you say him? Oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. See, that's how they talk when they're with themselves. It, without, outside of that, you don't know what's happening. I love to say, if they want to go to Salabar, and there's a fine man in Salabar, oh, girl, I got to go to Salabar. I, I got some salad. I got some salad. I need some salad. Hi. They, you can't tell a man, can't, he can go right over his head. Men, when they lust, everybody know about it. She is, <laughs> she done looked at him walking by. She is checking him out. And all the servants are seeing it. You know, Miss Potter, but that ain't good, you know. That's, yeah. But Joseph was the guy, well built, good looking, handsome. And I want to say, I don't want to read the last part of verse 7. Put it up on the screen. I don't think I'm going to read it. Y'all just read it for yourself. That's ghetto. <laughs> Come and fellowship with me. I'm going to try to paraphrase it. Now, you don't walk up to somebody and just say that like that. You just, that's just ghetto. That's what she did. No class at all. Hey, come here. Let's go. Now, right now, right here. See, his response, though, is unique. Because not every man would respond the way he did. Watch this. But I'm sure every man in here would. You ready? Here's verse 8. This, is, this should be put in gold. He refused. He refused. But he refused. With me in charge, I'm sorry, did I say that? Yes, but he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. 
Everything he owns, he has entrusted to, to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you. Because you are his wife. Let me remind you who you are. You are his wife. You're married. You know what I'm saying? You got a husband. Trying to preach to her on the sly. Watch this. How then could I do such a wicked thing? You want to know my view of this? It's wicked. This ain't just bad. This is wicked. Strong word. And a sin against God. Not only is it wicked, it's, it's wrong. It's a sin. It's unbiblical. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, did that affect her? No. Girl came back every day. I know you said that yesterday, but what about today? I know you said that last week, but what about this week? Come on, it's a new week. Come on. Come on, boy. You know, I mean, you, you just got to you gotta admit, this is, this is awful. Now, I don't, I'm not going to read the rest of the story. Bottom line, what happened in the story was one day she, <laughs> she sent all the servants home. You read that chapter on your own. She would send everybody home. Because when Joseph came home, there wasn't nobody in the house. So, you know, he come home, hey, where everybody? And she didn't say, all right, boy, I told you. Day is the day. No more playing. Now, this is a person who's out of her mind. And it's all dopamine. Because after it's over with, it ain't, ain't going to be the same, you see. This anticipation. That's what that is, that molecule of anticipation. And so here she is, and he, he said no. And she cornered him, and, and she grabbed his coat, and he let the coat go and ran out, and she kept the coat, and then she lied on him. Had him locked up, put in prison. Shame. But that's interesting because there's four observations about his thinking and her thinking. First of all, look at this. Joseph thought about work and responsibility in verse 6. Notice his thinking. He's thinking about work and responsibility. His mind is on his job. He's not allowing a relationship to distract him, beauty to distract him, none of that. I like a guy who's focused. You got a good job, and if you're not careful, you'll be out there flirting with people, doing stuff. You need to focus on your job. Especially if you have authority. Secondly, Joseph thought about his physical care. Hey, look, he didn't look good by accident. Doing push-ups, taking care of himself. I like that about the brother. I like the fact that when you look at his life and the way he thinks, you see it. Responsible, took care of himself physically. Are you like that? Don't read past the story too fast. This was a guy who took pride in himself. That's why he was noticed. Thirdly, Joseph thought about his sexual life. He thought it was sacred. It's a sin for me to do this. I belong to God. Part of his wife, she didn't care. Her thinking was, hey, they don't know, he don't know. It's fun. Different way of thinking. Where are you with that? You more like her or you like him? So you want to read the story and go, wow, what a bad woman. Don't do that for a minute. Back up the train. Are you clear in your mind about your sexual attitudes? Do you agree with God or not? You want me to tell you what 43 years in this job has taught me? You want to hear my testimony? You want to know what I know? Want to get in my brain? Names and addresses and facts and things I know. 
Here's what I've learned. They don't agree with God. They're, they're more like Potiphar's wife than like Joseph. The only reason some people don't do things they do, don't do, is because they ain't got nobody to do it with. Time somebody show up, what God say go out the door, and what they want happens over and over again. They repent every time, but it's over and over again. And that's what you're talking about. You know what the word says. But let's not get up, don't get uptight with me. Hold on. Love me. I'm just talking. Because here's what I'm trying to do, protect your future. If you don't improve your thinking, God gave me a word at 17. Because I was 17 for sure. But here is what God said to me as a teenager. I will never be able to use you if you don't get a handle on your flesh. Because you will not be able to be trusted. Because anybody that looks good to you Anybody. There's a person I won't name, a celebrity. It's a celebrity. I don't say her name. When I was in L.A., she was a part of the church. When I was doing the two churches, back and forth. Some of you don't know about that, but I was about for three years. It's a big church in L.A., church on the way, 8,000 Spanish, 2,000 English, and I was doing this church and that church at the same time. I went to help and ended up staying for three years to help out and blah, blah, blah. Some of y'all thought I was leaving, but I told y'all I wasn't, and I stayed. Say amen. amen. But anyway, so now they got a great pastor and they're fine. But a lady came up to me and she said to me, a famous person, if I said her name, you know who she is. She said to me, she said, you know, we just love you here. We just really, you know, we hope you stay, you know, we love you. And this is before I went to preach. She, went, she, she said, I went to a church and the pastor was amazing like you. And then he slept with the women. And I went to another church. And the pastor was amazing. He was a great young guy. And he just, but he did the same thing. And she said, I went to the third church. She said, Pastor, you know what I'm saying? I said, you're telling me don't sleep with the women. I said, you're safe with me. I'm not Superman. I'm just a clear man. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I'm clear. No, clap like you really mean it. Come on, amen. Clap. Like you mean, I'm clear. There is nothing in that. There's nothing in that. There's nothing in that. There's nothing in that. There's nothing in that. And I, I, I counsel people who've been in this place and I love and I encourage and I'm not mocking anybody. I'm not mocking your journey or your mistakes. I'm not trying to put you down. I'm just simply saying that's not the path. That's not the way to think. I can't think that's okay. It's not okay. The Bible says something very profound in Corinthians. He said, flee fornication. Run from it. Don't even try to talk, negotiate, pray, speak in tongues. Run. Just, get, just don't, get, don't even put your shoes on. Just take off. It's that powerful. It's that strong. It will whip you every time. You ain't got that much Holy Ghost. You don't have that much power. You don't have that much anointing. If you know you attempted, run. Can you say amen, somebody? But you can't run like this. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> That's how some of y'all run, see? That's how you try to run. Fake running. You're not running. Joseph thought about loyalty and integrity, not part of his wife. 
time her husband wasn't there, she changed her mind. Joseph thought about being consistent, not part of his wife. See, you have to understand the power of how you think and what it does to you. The last story before I go on is Mark chapter 8, verse 31, story about Peter. Peter's in this conversation with Jesus, and what you see in this conversation is another example of good thinking, bad thinking. Jesus is talking about the fact, okay, look, guys, I'm going to have to die and go to the cross and all this. And, and, and so Peter hears it. And Peter's like, you know, hey, look, look, okay, okay, all this negative stuff, all this negative talk, okay, all this down talk, okay? We need to stop this, okay? Jesus, come in, let me talk to you for a minute. Now, anybody who could raise the dead, I'm not going to talk to you like that. Because they might can reverse it, you know what I'm saying? Anybody who <laughs> I can see walk on water, I'm not saying this to you. But Peter was special. One of them know-it-all spiritual people. Watch what happens. Look what he says. Mark chapter 9, 8, verse 31. He then began to teach them that the Son of God, man, Jesus, the Son of Man must suffer many things and, he, and be rejected by the elders. One more time. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. Peter heard this, and he went ballistic. Oh, God, oh, Jay Wentz. Okay, the miracles are like, okay, these parables are cool. I don't know what they all mean, but hey, this negative stuff. Can we have a conversation, Jesus? Here's what he says, verse 32. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. So, you know, I'm, I'm just like, whoa, okay. You're rebuking Jesus in private. You ever do that? God, I don't know why my husband ain't here yet. I'm a good woman. <laughs> oh, you see, oh, you mean that kind of rebuke. Yeah, right. In your prayer, telling him what he didn't do for you as if he owe you something. It's his fault you where you are in life. My child is like this, God, is your, why you let this happen? I let it happen. You don't blame me for this? You rebuking me? People do this all the time, you know. You read the story, but don't see yourself. Mm -hmm. Give me an amen. amen. But when Jesus turned, and now Jesus did this. The Bible says he turned and looked at the disciples, not Peter. Imagine this for a minute. He turned, Peter rebukes him. He turns, looks at the disciples. And then, watch this, he rebuked Peter. Oh, you can give it, see if you can take it. And then Jesus, now this is the kind of rebuke gets down, I want to say, in the ghetto land. Get behind me, Satan. Drop the mic. <laughs> Good God Almighty. Get behind me, Satan. In other words, he looks at the disciples and says, don't y'all do this. Watch what's going to happen. Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind, in mind, the concerns of God, but merely in your mind are human concerns. You missed everything, Peter. You missed this moment. Jesus thought challenge was a necessary pathway to opportunity. Peter didn't think that way. There are a lot of people who don't think that. They say, oh, I should just get it because I want it. Jesus said, no. I have to die for this dream, Peter. 
If I'm going to save you, then I'm going to have to pay a high price to save you. See, <laughs> Jesus rebuked Peter's thoughts for three reasons. Peter thought the challenge was not necessary. He thought the pathway to opportunity would just be free. Peter thought were more aligned with Satan than God. That's strong. Then Peter's thoughts stopped at human concerns and ignored God's concerns totally. And he put Peter in check. And he never had to do it like this again. You ever had that one moment? Collision. Notice, Potiphar's wife and Joseph, collision. Jesus and Peter colliding. You know what you need? Somebody in your life that collides with your thinking. Somebody to tell you you're thinking wrong. Somebody to help you see that your view of money and life is wrong. You will never protect your future if you don't allow that to happen. If you don't allow these collisions to happen where somebody sees your nakedness and forces you to see yourself, it's when somebody looks at you and says, you need to get some pants a little bit longer than that. That is too short to wear in public. You need somebody to tell you to please get them nails done. Lord, it's been so long. Good God Almighty, you must claw people at night with them toes. You need somebody to tell you to get your hair fixed. You need somebody to tell you to stop cussing. You need somebody to collide with you and let you know you don't know everything. You need to be made to feel stupid sometimes, dumb sometimes. Sometimes that collision can make you a better person. Come on, say amen if you hear me, church. Sometimes that moment of collision, bam! It helps you. One of the, one, I, I, this is a quick thought. One of the things I love about theological training, I have an undergrad in theology, not bragging, I have a master's degree in strategic leadership, and I am that close to finishing an earned doctorate degree, and I am that close to, uh, on burnout. Man, I'm telling you what, I got two honorary doctorate degrees. I say all that to say this. You know what I like about all that stuff? I don't know everything. And in every level of my learning and academic training, I have been told, prove that. Where is that? can't know everything. You need somebody to collide with you. I had a professor say one time, and I wasn't the student he was talking to. I was standing by him watching him. And the student was talking about in my undergrad, and he was just going back and forth with the professor in the hallway. And the professor looked at him and said these words. Student, said, son, what you don't want in your life is for wise people to stop talking to you. Because when they do, you're in trouble. I said, ooh, that was good. I'm glad it wasn't me, Jesus. Thank you, God. In my life, I've had some bad thinking. And I've had some good thinking. One example. My bad thinking habit is I tend to think I have not done enough. I fight that every day. I drive myself. And I can get, go through details. I had to get a load of clothes in before I left home. Diane didn't, Diane, Diane works hard, man, but I just, me, I, she lived with me. It's like living with a maid. Sorry. I got my list of things I'm going to do. My grass has to be cut. I'm sorry. You come up here on this property, you have not seen it not be cut because they know how I feel about that. 
I am determined and committed. You got issues? Probably. And that's bad thinking because sometimes I go too far. One of the kindest things my son's ever said to me, one of the kindest. I told him this one day. I said, sometimes, Rick, I just feel like I haven't done enough for you guys. He looked at me and said, Dad, the next time that comes to you, you just kick it out of your mind. You've done enough for us. So what are my good thinking habits? Ready? One. I tend to challenge my bad thinking. That's a good thing I do. And I challenge it verbally, sometimes privately, sometimes publicly. Sometimes out of nowhere, I'll say, stop that temple. Down, I say, you all right? Nope. Something's trying to tell me I'm not, I'm not good enough. Something's lying to me. I don't look good enough. Some of you go through that because you're not physically perfect. Some of you go through that because you don't have all the money you want to have. Some of you go through that because you made a mistake in your life and you got locked up and now you're free, but you don't want anybody to know about your past. Some of you have a story you can't tell. There's something in your life that shames you. And you live under condemnation and shame. But I love what Paul said. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. There's no, that's bad thinking. I'm not going to be pressed down because of my past. I don't look like where I came from, but I know where I'm going in Jesus' name. Come on, say amen, church. Oh, man. I got to stop. My time's up. Did you learn something today? Come on, did you learn something? Stand up on your feet. Man, I tell you what. Next week, we're going to talk about how to adjust bad thinking. How to adjust this all online. So I want you to make sure. Now, you know, we have them digital Sundays next week and the week following. And then we back in here on first, second, third, and third Sunday next month. We got some other stuff planned for the singles on third Sunday next month. But man, I'm telling you, you don't want to miss the sermon, how to adjust your bad thinking. Let's pray. Father, we leave this place today believing that you have helped us in these last 25 minutes to think through, pray through, look at the collisions in our life. And bad thinking comes and tries to take over our minds and hearts. We ask you in Jesus' name, give us strength. We ask you in Jesus' name to help us connect with truth. I don't know where the collisions are in this room, but you do. There are married couples that are in collision right now. May they bring their brokenness to you. The businessmen that are in collision right now. They're single moms. Their children. Their thoughts right now are running into each other. They're hurting right now. We trust you in Jesus' name. Heal our hearts. Help us to find our way. We're not going to yield to fear or insecurity. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If there's somebody here that doesn't know you, Lord, they've never given their life to you, may this be that moment when they do. When they invite you into their life. Where they say, Jesus, come and be a part of my life. And may this be that transforming moment 
when they say, yes, Lord, I trust you with my life. Some are coming back to God. Some are coming to God for the first time. Let this be that changing moment, blessed moment, in Jesus' name. Amen.